Stay tuned for a word from the Lord. So keep ready. Be alert. This passage is strong. First of all, it says that believers, we're not going to be in darkness. We're going to be aware something is going on. We have the signs of Scripture. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Dr. Beach begins his teaching series on Advent. Today's message is entitled, Jesus is Coming. Our Father, as we come in Jesus' name, we ask that you'd open your word to us. We pray that you would use this time to help us prepare for your coming. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We need to smile. Did y'all have too much turkey or something? I mean, or, or maybe you were up late last night watching the game or something. But everybody just, there we go, that's better. Okay, good. Two boys ages eight and five had been incredibly mischievous. They were always getting into trouble and their parents knew that if anything happened in their town, they were probably the ones to blame. So the boy's mother heard that there's there a preacher in town who was great with disciplining children. And so she made an appointment and asked if her children could uh, be disciplined. So the preacher agreed, but he wanted to see them individually. So they set two times. One, the little five-year-old would go in the morning. The eight-year-old would go in the afternoon. So the mother sent the five-year-old. And the preacher walked in, and he was this huge man with a deep, booming voice. And he sat the younger boy down and he asked him, do you know where God is, son? Well, the little boy's mouth dropped wide open. He made no response, but he just sat there wide-eyed. So the preacher repeated the question in an even sterner tone, where is God? Again, the boy made no attempt to answer, and the preacher raised his voice even more and shook his finger in the boy's face and said, where is God? Well, the boy screamed, bolted from the room, ran directly home, dove into his closet, slammed the door behind him. When his older brother found him, he asked, what happened? And the younger brother, gasping for breath, replied, we are in big trouble now. God is missing, and they think, God is missing, and they think we did it. Well, God isn't missing. Amen? If you've been a follower of Jesus Christ for any time, you've been exposed to the Christian belief in the return of Jesus Christ to planet Earth. That he's gone to prepare a place for us and he will return to take us to be where he is. That he's at the right hand of the Father and when given the word will return in a flash and a trumpet sound. This is what the season of Advent is about. Although we say it every week when we say the creed, the Nicene Creed, we say, I believe that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. This season and the readings for this season remind us that Jesus is coming again. Now in the culture all around us, it's Christmas. Actually, it was looking like Christmas before Thanksgiving. We hear Christmas songs on the radio We see ads about Christmas. People have decorated their homes. And so it may seem really odd that at this time now the church has us celebrating Advent, the return of Jesus. But this is the Christian calendar. It's Advent. It's not Christmas. 
Advent is a season of anticipation. Anticipating of the second coming of Jesus Christ and anticipation of his celebration of the new birth, his first coming. It's also a season of waiting. Waiting for his return, but also a season of waiting to celebrate Christmas. But it's also a season of warning. A warning of the coming judgment. A warning to be ready. A warning to prepare for the coming of the King of Kings. So with this in mind, I want to invite you to open your Bible to Matthew chapter 24, the gospel reading we just heard, Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to go through this passage together. Brian Williams of NBC News tells the story that the day before Hurricane Katrina hit, he was in line at the local Walmart, and he got a message on his BlackBerry along with a very strong caution from his producers. Williams said, the wording, the contents were so incendiary that our folks were concerned that it wasn't real. Here's the message he received, an all caps weather bulletin. Urgent weather message. National Weather Service, New Orleans, Louisiana. 10, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, Sunday, August 28, 2005. Devastating damage expected. Hurricane Katrina. A most powerful hurricane with unprecedented strength, rivaling the intensity of Hurricane Camille in 1969. Most of the area will be uninhabitable for weeks, perhaps longer. At least half of well-constructed homes will have roof and wall failures. All gabled roofs will fail. All wood-frame low-rising apartment buildings will be destroyed. All windows will be blown out. The vast majority of trees will be snapped or uprooted. Only the hardiest will remain standing, but totally defoliated. Power outages will last for weeks, as most power poles will be blown down and transformers destroyed. Water shortages will make human suffering incredible by modern standards. And yet, most people in leadership... Local political leaders as well as civilians did not heed the warnings. And we all saw what happened, not just in New Orleans, but in southern Mississippi, which was totally devastated. Well, after Hurricane Katrina, Brian Williams interviewed this man at the National Weather Service who'd forecasted what was going to happen. His name is Brian Ricks, and he was known as the lone forecaster because he'd written this powerful warning that everybody disregarded. Williams asked, if you knew the damage was going to be like this and you did everything in your power to tell people a monster was coming, did the response break your heart? He answered, yes, it did. Because we always prepare for the big one. We just didn't think it was going to come this soon. We just didn't think it was going to come this soon. In the days of Noah, Genesis 6 tells us that wickedness and immorality had spread throughout the whole world. God was brokenhearted over the creation he had made. Genesis 6, 5 says this, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the human heart was only evil at the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. 
I say that phrase again, it just, it's hard for me to fathom this. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. It was that bad. So God decided to start over. So Noah was asked to build the ark and we were told he worked on it for 120 years while at the same time preaching righteousness to the people. He was ignored and those who did pay attention made fun of him. When the ark was finished, his family and numerous animals were put on the ark and then the rains came. Genesis 7 tells us that waters came from above and below. It appears the firmament, which was some kind of vapor canopy, which is above and encircled the earth, dissolved. And so the rains came down. And we're also told that there were underground springs that burst up from below the earth and through the crust of the earth, covering the earth with water. Those who lived in immorality and corruption were destroyed, which meant everybody. They were not in tune with the Lord. They were oblivious to the destruction that was coming their way. Only Noah and his family survived. And this is how Jesus says it will be in the day of his coming. So let's look at Matthew 24. To look at this passage, we need to make sure we take the context of it correctly. And to get that, you start at the beginning of the chapter where Jesus is coming out of the temple and his disciples are commenting how beautiful the stones are and what a beautiful temple it is. And Jesus says, not a stone will be left. It's all going to be torn down. And a little bit later, they're on the Mount of Olives in verse 3, and the disciples come to him privately and say, tell us, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They're asking him three questions here. When's the temple going to be destroyed? What will be the sign of your coming? And what's going to be the sign of the end of the age? Well, the rest of this chapter, he unpacks those three questions. In our text, he's dealing with the last one. Verse 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So no one is going to know the time. Unbelievers won't know the time. Believers won't know the time. He says here even the Son wouldn't know the time or didn't know the time. You know, I raise the question now that he's resurrected and all authority and power has been given unto him, does he now know the time? But unbelievers won't know, believers won't know. He says the son doesn't know. He, the supernatural world doesn't know. He says not even the angels know. Only the father knows when it's going to happen. Then verse 37. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus compares his return to the days of Noah. Unbelievers will be oblivious to what's going on. He says they'll know nothing. They will be so busy living their lives, eating, drinking, marrying, divorcing, totally unaware of the spiritual world, totally unaware of kingdom living, totally unaware of kingdom principles, of Bible prophecy, totally unaware of life in the Holy Spirit. John MacArthur says it like this, they will be so vile, wretched, and preoccupied with sex, drugs, alcohol, materialism, and pleasure-seeking 
that they will believe every explanation for the end time signs except the one given in scripture. Rather than turning to God in repentance, they will curse him, Revelation 9, 21. It will be like the days of Noah. Now sure, we believers have the signs and we have the Holy Spirit and 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us that we're not in darkness, but we won't know the time. Verse 40, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken, the other left. Who will be taken? Who will be taken? Remember, it's going to be like the days of Noah. The unrighteous will be swept away. The righteous will be left The ungodly will be swept away in judgment. The righteous will be left for the Lord. Many read this as the righteous being taken away, as in raptured. But I submit to you that here he is saying that the ungodly will be taken away to their judgment and the righteous will be left to enter the kingdom. Like in the days of Noah. Look at verse 39. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. It's just as he says in the parable of the sheep and the goats in the next chapter. The goats are the ones taken away. The sheep enter the kingdom. So Jesus says all this. And then he says the next verse, therefore, 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 Jesus says, and I'm going to give you three application points here. Therefore, keep watch. Therefore, keep ready. And therefore, keep serving. Let's look at verse 42. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Keep watch. Pay attention. Be alert. Don't be asleep. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 13. We heard this read earlier. Verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time, The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So keep watch. Be awake. Pay attention. Keep watch. Look. Secondly, keep ready. Verse 43. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Be ready. Here he's using just a common sense analogy. I mean, if you knew your house was getting ready to be broken into, wouldn't you stay up? Wouldn't you pay attention? Wouldn't you be ready for the thieves? That's what he's saying here. Be ready. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes to the Christians there, and he says this, Now, brothers, about the times and dates 
we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. They will not escape. But you brothers are not in darkness that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. So keep ready. Be alert. This passage is strong. First of all, it says that believers, we're not going to be in darkness. We're going to be aware something is going on. We have the signs of Scripture. He says it's going to be like a woman in childbirth. Well, how do women give birth unless you have a C-section? What happens? You have birth pains. And they come very slow to begin with. And then it's quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker. And then you have a new baby. Well, all these things are going to happen. They're going to get quicker and more intense and more intense and more intense. And then he's coming. Keep ready. Keep ready. And then he says, keep serving. Verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good that that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away for a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Keep serving. Keep serving. Be about kingdom business. Continue to serve the Lord in the manner He's called you. Continue to do the work He has given you to do. Keep your hand the plow. Keep working. Keep serving. I remember when I was in college, this will date me now, but it was in the late 70s, and one of the key signs of Bible prophecy for the return of the Lord is the formation of the nation of Israel. Well, the formation of the nation of Israel happened in, for the first time in thousands of years, in 1948. Well, toward the end of the 70s, there became this, all this talk about we're coming up to the generation, 40 years is a generation, and the Lord is coming. And I mean, people had things lined up, just this and this and this and this. What made me want to just stop going to school? What's the point? Jesus is coming. <laughs> it's so easy for us to get off focus. We got to keep serving. We got to keep doing what the Lord has given us to do. And while we're doing that, we keep watch and we keep ready. Does that make sense? And so that's the Advent message, to keep watch, keep ready, but keep serving. Now let's not be like the people with Hurricane Katrina. We just didn't think it was going to come this soon. We knew the big one was going to happen, but we just didn't know it was coming this soon. Now you and I don't know. We really don't know. And we look at world events right now and we see all these things happening. We're such a global village now and you can know what's happening over in Africa or over in Palestine. And I mean, just like this. And it is so easy to think, well, now is the time and it may be. 
But that's really not what we need to concern ourselves with. We need to concern ourselves with keeping watch. Lord, I want you to come. I'm ready. But in the meantime, to keep serving, to keep doing what he's called us to do. So with that in mind, I want to invite you to pray. Father, you are so good to us, and you love us, and you care for us, but this is your world, and you are sovereign, and you are Lord, and you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you will come. We know it. But while we wait for you, we pray you would so work in our lives that our focus would be right, that we would keep watch, that, Lord, our attitude would be right, that we would be ready. And Lord, that our actions would be right, that we would be serving. So work in us and, in, and through us, Lord, even now, during this Advent season. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, come, and let it rain. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, this is Foley Beach, and I want to thank you for listening to A Word from the Lord. I'm so grateful that we have this privilege of bringing the Word of God to you. If you're listening today and the Lord is speaking to your heart, the Lord is is drawing you to Him. I want to invite you to open yourself to Him, to open your heart, to invite Him to come and and live in your life. It's really a simple prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are the Lord. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I've messed up, and I ask your forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, I want you to come and live in my life. So I invite you. I open myself to you. Come and indwell me in your presence. It's not a difficult prayer, but it has to be a sincere prayer. It has to be something that you intend to do and follow up on. And perhaps I'm speaking to somebody as well today who is a believer and you're not where God wants you to be. Are you straight off the path? Are you living in disobedience or in sin right now and you know it's wrong? Or he's asked you to do something and, and you refuse to do it. Why not today say, yes, Lord. Why not today do what he wants you to do or stop doing what he doesn't want you to do and get your life right to him. Life's too short. It goes by so quick. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day the Lord wants to speak to you, to bless you, to guide you, to strengthen you. And this is my prayer for you this day. And the whole reason we at A Word from the Lord broadcast this radio program is that God might speak into your life, that you might be the person He's called you to be. That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. Awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You'll want to be sure to visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. 
His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A Word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. We thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.